Hey there, and welcome to Creative License, where we dive into what makes creative people successful and immerse ourselves in that process. I'm your host, Alex Perlman. If you don't follow Art But Make It Sports, go check it out on Instagram or Twitter. Right now. I can wait. I'm not going anywhere. So hit pause and come right back. LJ Raider started this sports meme account not expecting it to take off, but that's exactly what's happened. Growing from a seemingly ridiculous cannabis-influenced concept to receiving praise and publicity from some of the most important names in sports media. Right now, it has 12,500 followers on Instagram and almost 9,000 on Twitter. Not terrible for what would seem like a kind of niche pet project, an art sports meme account that is anything but, and began almost two and a half years ago. So LJ, you created the Art But Make It Sports account on December 3rd, 2019. That's obviously a long time ago. That's according to Instagram. So I would I would imagine that's the correct date. That probably sounds right to you. Uh, that does sound right. I, uh, I actually, well, I started making these years ago. Um, I like sports. I like to go to museums and I would take pictures uh, at museums and give them sports captions and then post them on my personal Instagram account, uh, whether it be posts or stories, kind of with reckless abandon, uh, I guess before people started to use Instagram for things like thirst traps and uh, content, I was more just putting stuff out there to make my friends laugh uh, and make myself laugh. And then, yeah, over the years, I had enough people reach out and say, you should make this its own thing. And yeah, I guess that that date sounds right. A few month or two two months, three months before the pandemic hit. Uh, so yeah. So 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 you came up with the idea, obviously, a little bit before you decided to to take that leap and make it, it its own account. How exactly do you go about doing that? What does the whole process look like from from the beginning? <laughs> so for a while, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was just getting really stoned at the museum and looking at artwork and thinking of it in a in a sports lens. Um, I would come back with I'd be either on the spot I'd kind of see something and I would know immediately what I'd want it to be or um, you know I'd come back with a whole host of photos and then start to think of you know what's relevant in the the sports world right now. Um, but it used to be very much the artwork first and then using that which I think is arguably harder to do, uh, right? You've got artwork, you have to make it something versus now a lot of what I do is either I have a, a still image from a sporting event or something in the news cycle, and then I can rack my brain and, and the archives of what art might go with it. And then originally the style was the artwork and then you know you're putting captions and things on top of it. And now what really seems to resonate with people are the mashups, which is like physically one art, one piece of art looks like the sports moment. Uh, so it really helps to have the, the kind of sports moment first. And then you can think about what what mashes up with it. But do, it's about it's a little bit like you invented this almost like it, it maybe not in terms of the, the whole category. But was there guidance along the way as to 
what might work and you know it's it it's a meme yes but it's also kind of its specific form too right yeah so uh, i guess there's inspiration from just like memes themselves of mashing things up and captioning on top of photos um i guess you could chalk some of it up to the you know the phrase when people used to say in sports or still do like hanging in the louvre and um certainly the inspiration behind it but i can't say that there was anybody doing anything quite like it maybe like little one-offs um but i i didn't use that as inspiration it was more I just kind of got re- got really high at the museum. It was like, <laughs> this looks like Phil Jackson delivering the triangle offense to a team that doesn't want to listen, and it kind of went from there. Yeah, so I mean, we, we've been talking even years past about creating things and how you know how cool it is to to have ownership over something like this, which obviously you have taken ownership, and this is. I think the perfect space to discuss this because you're literally taking an idea, like a small idea at the beginning, and then creating something out of absolutely nothing. So you put that first post out there. What happens after that? How are you? Are you telling your friends? Are you trying to, you know, leverage an influencer or something to try to get followers? How does that whole process work? Yeah. So. The first few posts was very much me badgering my friends and family to get them to repost and them to tell their friends and and try to grow from there. Um, I have a little bit of background in social media. So I used to work for NBC Sports uh, and we had a live streaming application uh, that I I product managed and realized that we didn't really have a great QA team um, or didn't really have a good handle of what people were talking about on social media about our app. So was a link broken? You know, was the app not working? Like we only really had app store reviews that came in after the fact. So I started a Twitter account for that um, and, you know, kind of grew it and uh, learned the ins and outs of, you know, what is an algorithm? You know, what does the Twitter algorithm look like? And how do you reach the most, most people? And um, again, I started it for kind of shits and giggles, but it became fun to figure out how to grow. So with those first few posts, you know, it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, putting the right hashtags on things and you can tag people. And then there's also a subsequent, like there's a Twitter account, uh, that I just take the same stuff and I put on Twitter and there's nuances to, you know, how Instagram works versus Twitter. Cause on Twitter, it's very easy for somebody to click a retweet button. Uh, and then their whole following is basically exposed, whereas on Instagram, it's a little bit slower. Um, and how do you tag people in the photos itself so that they get an alert and trying to, like you said, influencers, like trying to target people. Like if it's a Memphis Grizzlies post, you know, make sure that you're tagging. You go on, I go on like LinkedIn and I'll find the people that work in the social media teams for the Memphis Grizzlies and, you know, tag them. Uh, there's also like techniques of, uh, giving away all the secret sauce. But no, it's, like, it's like if somebody's, let's say it's a, a sports image that goes viral, there's an account or two that is going viral, right? There's an account posts this image and they've got a you know 10,000 likes. It's taking that image, making the meme, and then replying to that original post. And so that when people click in and read the comments section, they see your mashup. And so that's how you can get a lot of visibility too. Um, because it's you're you're sort of taking your content and you're putting it where it's pertinent, and if you can get stuff out fast, 
then you're really taking advantage of you know those eyeballs being engaged already. So that's a long-winded way of saying I've I've kind of just messed around with a lot, right? I for my day job I work in sports tech, and there's some social media aspects to it and data aspects to it. So um, it's just a I don't know. It's fun to to beat the algorithm and or figure out the the best ways to to grow it. Yeah, you you mentioned speed though. How crucial is that? Because we all know you could tweet something and then 20 minutes later, maybe nobody will ever see it. You know, if you've got your app scheduled to or programmed, I guess you would say to go and just do like newest tweets first, you might never, ever see that tweet. So is this something that that you think is really important in order to get out like as fast as something happens to go through your your Rolodex, for lack of a, a better term, and of your images and, and to get that right out there? Yeah, so it's a good question, and it it wholly depends on if we're talking Instagram or Twitter. So the following that I've managed to to pull together on Instagram is much. They don't necessarily have their finger on the pulse of what is immediately happening happening and going viral in the sports world. There's a lot of uh, maybe more art fans, uh, like grandmas and grandpas that follow uh, that aren't sitting in front of their computer constantly refreshing Twitter. And so you can let some things marinate for a little while before posting it on Instagram. Um, days, you know, even a week later, and it doesn't quite matter. When it comes to Twitter, though, uh, I've found that if I can get something that is relevant in the moment out there, it's much more likely to get people to retweet uh, and to get engagement. And it's just, you know, that's kind of the nature of Twitter, right? People freak out about something and 30 minutes later, it's no longer relevant. They've moved on to the next thing. So you have to kind of hit your window there. Did that philosophy grow or change throughout time? Or is that always kind of been how you thought? Uh, Yeah, I guess kind of always how I thought. I just never really focused on the Twitter side until a little bit more recently. Um, It's wild how quickly, I mean, it's by by nature, right? If a house line goes viral, it, it sort of picks up steam and then just blows out of control. But it is kind of cool to see that happen whereas on Insta uh, on Instagram it's just, it's impossible like you can't really go viral on Instagram because the only way somebody can see your post if they don't follow you is if somebody else reposts it and it's very rare that people like I've gotten posts that have had there's tons of shares right but that's just the one to one I got a few posts that have had I don't know like 200 300 people repost it but that's super rare whereas on Twitter, some of the ones that have gone viral have like 5,000 retweets and wow. that is massive exposure. So, um, yeah. And again, I don't, <laughs> I like, I just like making the content, uh, and I do it for fun. Um, but it is, it is cool to try to see how do you get more people to actually see it. And it's become pretty clear that, uh, Twitter is a really good vehicle for that. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting too because you have uh, at this recording twelve and a half thousand followers on Instagram, which obviously didn't grow overnight, and it, it's smart too. I think that's what I like the most about it is that it's it takes these images and these, I mean, a lot of times iconic pieces of art, and and yet yeah, it's, it, it's fun and everything. But I, I think 
smart things come from being enjoyable and uh, and and you get to see that uh, every single time that that you post with these i mean we're, we're talking like renaissance era and and relating that to ja morant it's just it, it's absolutely wild uh so we talk about the the followers and and you know tens of thousands was that a steady growth or are we talking like huge jumps when maybe one post would go viral and did that occur over the the course of of the lifetime now which is you know really two almost two and a half years uh definitely big big jumps uh, especially when people with large followings repost and not not even just repost so if you've got like a a person let's just say with 100,000 followers if they share on Instagram your post you know you get a 10 20 people that end up following if they put in the actual repost like hey I love this account you should go follow that makes a world of difference. So the I guess call, that's why they're called influencers, right? Yeah. I mean, like literally influencing whether or not you follow an account. Yeah, the calls to action are extremely important because a lot of the times, or at least right, you kind of see something, you chuckle, and then you move on. But if there is a call to action that says, like, oh, this is my favorite account, you should follow, like you're probably going to go click in and, and follow. So that makes a big difference, and I've found that there have been big chunks. I messed around with the... Just like uh, the Instagram advertising, just because it's interesting to me. Again, I work in sort of the sports tech space, and there's some of that stuff that we do internally, and just thought it'd be cool to see what it what it did. And it's it's expensive, but it does work, um, and it's fun to figure out how you like target certain audiences and and what kind of stuff resonates when it's put in front of people that have never heard or, or you know have seen it through an ad, which is a little bit different of an experience of somebody that is sharing it with you. Like I, tr- like you send me something, I know it's coming from you and I'm much more likely to engage. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Big chunks for sure. Versus there's like a slow burn for a while. It's like you go into other people's content and you like it and then they come into discover your stuff. Um, there are times when it goes like if a hashtag, if it goes viral via hashtag and then a bunch of people that don't follow, just like it. I would send them a message and be like, hey, you liked it. Why don't you follow? I do not have time. I didn't have time for it then. I don't have time for it now. <laughs> um, but use that tactic and that that is a slow, slow burn doing it that I mean, way. But, LJ, it's, it sounds like a, a real labor of love, obviously, but uh, I mean, there was a lot nothing, of work into this. There was nothing to do for two years. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. When you think uh, about it, I mean, December 3rd, 2019, we're talking basically right before the pandemic that that you even got this thing off the ground at all yeah i don't want to call it perfect timing but yeah that there's no way i would have stuck with it if if i had like if i wasn't locked up in my apartment for a huge chunk of time with nothing to do uh this was a a nice little outlet to keep myself busy and, and sane for for that period yeah, it's it's nice to know that uh, the pandemic was perfect for something. Yeah, it was right. perfect. It was perfect for an art sports meme account. <laughs> so we can take to... some solace in that. Yeah, exactly. Look on the bright side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you remember a situation where, um, what the post was, or who was the person that that kind of gave you some love that that really resulted in a in a huge jump for you? Sarah Spain has been huge uh, from the get go. Uh, there was, uh, within like the first 50 posts, there was one about like NBA players and how they dress back in the day and how they dress now. 
that she reposted, and I think it got like a thousand followers just right off the bat, and that was the foundation that ultimately propelled it to a whole bunch of people. Wait, you got a um, thousand followers right off the bat from one one post? Yeah, it was like fifty posts in, and she she posted about it, and yeah, seven hundred fifty a thousand people followed because of it, and then that it just kind of grew from there. I'll, I'll like. D- I'll DM her every once in a while and be like, hey, can you repost this? But she's really good about sharing stuff. She's awesome. She's been a, a huge uh, supporter from the from the beginning. So. Have you guys actually like gotten to meet in person? No. <laughs> Does she have any idea uh, who you are? Uh, I don't think so, no. But there have been a few people. Uh, I've like made friends from it, uh, which is kind of funny, um, like artists and uh, like people that interact with the account. Um I had done an, I did an interview with Charlotte Wilder um, at one point that led to a, a decent chunk of people. Um, yeah, we jumped on Zoom and did something similar to this, which was fun. She wrote a little article, but yeah, I've never I haven't met Sarah Spain, but she's she's been great. So thank you, Sarah. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe that's coming. We'll see, Sarah. If you're interested, uh, I'm sure I'm sure LJ would love to grab coffee. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So take me back to, uh, we talked about the origination of this, but I know you have a background in art. You certainly have an appreciation of art. Where did it all come from for you? Uh, yeah, I think a, a background in art might be giving myself a little too much credit. I took a... Took Why an didn't say you had a master's? <laughs> I took an art history class in college, and then uh, <laughs> my parents, I was like, oh, I think I might minor in this. And my parents were like, uh, why don't you just not do that and learn the same stuff on your own and go minor in something that like can actually help you in, in the like, real world. Like history or uh, you know, like, something really like useful. Business, like, <laughs> like business, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I've always enjoyed going to museums. Um, it's, it sounds like a, a stretch, but I think, I think part of the content I think of it kind of as puns in a way in a, like if you can draw a conclusion from an image that connects to something else, it's very similar to like linguistically making a pun out of something. And so I guess when I go to museums, I enjoy both the appreciation of the art, but then thinking about how do I tie it to something else in the same way, like when in real life, when I, I'm talking to somebody. I'm mostly just thinking about how do I make a pun out of this or, you know, how do I tie this to something else? Um, a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Museums are sweet and it's fun to see art and think about what is probably the opposite of what the artists thought about when they were painting this thing. How can I make it about sports? Yeah, but art is up for interpretation, so maybe they would yeah. they'd be flattered that this is the way you're looking at things. Exactly. Um, Opening up a, a different lens. What's the favorite piece of art that that you've seen or are there are there a few maybe that you could you could pick out that you've gotten to to photograph and and to put up on the account? Huh. Uh, I certainly have like favorite museums that uh, yield interesting content um although it's like fairly basic like the moma always has good content um because you've got some old stuff and some new stuff um which is very much dumbing it down i mean hieronymus bosch is a bit of a let's call him a muse he uh 
creates right it's old content but it very much has a or old calling <laughs> stuff content old paintings but very much has like a modern weird flair to it even though it's from hundreds of years ago um which always makes for good good memes yeah my favorite one's the next one that i can think of <laughs> stupid but yeah. speaking of that i mean it it happens constantly too which i think is is incredible how quickly you're you're on it and that you're able to to develop this i mean this actually i guess you would call it content maybe not maybe not bosh but uh but this certainly you would you see a, a play happen or you see um you know, an image of LeBron James or, you know, Mike Trout or something like that. What is your mental process? How are you coming up with and how are you finding these images? I mean, your phone must be full of images of art. Yeah, so I have like 5,000 or so photos I've taken over the years in museums that I have on my phone. So sometimes it's something happens and I instantly know like that is, you know, Venus of Urbino. Like that, I know the art off the top of my head when I see it. Sometimes I know the theme that I want to go with, but don't know a specific piece. And then I'll either, I'll, I'll know what's in my phone. And so I might use one of those, or I might go look online for that theme and then start to, you know, see what comes out of that. Those are usually like, I mean, those are kind of the only two ways I do it. When it comes to like what photos I have in my phone, I know exactly where in my phone it is based on the scroll bar of the folder it's in. I can tell you where like the players in the Baltimore Orioles minor league baseball system uh, by heart. Other than that, I can't remember anything. So it's all the things that don't really matter, but it does help for for remembering what art I've got or what photos of art I've got in my phone. So. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's why you got into the sports world and you know <laughs> sports tech, NBC, all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. it is amazing how we remember the dumbest stuff when when you talk about like the real world and things, as you mentioned, that that absolutely matter. Not good, not good yeah. at all. But 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 you ask a, a stat, you know about. Uh, the 1998 Yankees and you're probably going to come up with it or at least come pretty close yeah for sure it's uh it's the only job that I can have is (laughs) can't do anything else that's all you got so we talked about we talked about the followers and I'll I'll just list a, a few examples so you've got a meteorologist from NBC in New York LSU basketball follows you for some reason. <laughs> a former Harlem Globetrotter, multiple Olympians, plenty of sports photographers uh, with major publications as well as uh, team photographers. I know the Vikings team photographer follows you. And then we talked about uh, Fox Sports, Charlotte Wilder, and then, of course, uh, Sarah Spain as well. Do you, do you ever get DMs from, from people like commenting on the work or suggesting things or saying thank you? Oh, all the time. Uh, like at least one a day of people either sending in sports images and saying, you know, can you turn this into something? People being like, I love the account. Just all kinds of stuff. Uh, people trying to sell me cryptocurrency because they're bots. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, lots and it's almost always through Instagram. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of people reach out and it's fun. Like people from all over the world and, all different kinds of people and there's definitely some like OG followers um, 
who like even today, even if they have like I don't know fifty, a hundred followers themselves, like just like regular people like you and me, I'll like tag them in posts that I know that they'd be into, um, and they're super supportive. So it's cool to see the same people that have stuck around since the beginning. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people reach out and. What was the reaction of, like, the people that you know the best, like, friends, family, colleagues, when you told them that you were doing this? I guess especially the older generation, were they like, what the hell is this? (laughs) It's funny. Some of my, like, (laughs) my mom told a bunch of her friends. I think they all followed. And then all but, like, one of them unfollowed. But that one, one person that does follow, she's she's a big time supporter uh yeah i think from like a a friends and family standpoint i imagine a a bunch of them fell off over over the following weeks and months after they first joined but by then i couldn't really tell because i was starting to get other people to follow do you feel like you have to be locked in all the time on what's going on in the sports world throughout pretty much every sport or can you kind of just look at what's going on maybe once a day and say hey this happened this could be cool or are you kind of locked in on this yeah i guess part of what makes i don't want to say makes me good at this but like i'm locked in across all sports regardless of if i'm doing this or not uh even like part of it's for my job but part of it's just because that's what i like uh, to do um so this is just a, nat- a natural manifestation of being locked in, of like channeling that energy towards something else. I go through like spurt, like I'm not in a good groove this past month. I've just been busy and doing other stuff, but I go through like spurts of creating like three a day over the course of a week. And then maybe I'll take a few days off here and there, but just feeling like, I don't know, I feel like everybody goes through creative, you know, creative funk and then all of a sudden you just, your head clears up and writer's block disappears yeah. and yeah yeah there's so. there's ebb and flow i think to um to, to all of that kind of stuff is there a piece of art that you know specifically that you have in the library that you have not been able to use yet and you're just waiting for the right moment i don't know the names of them off the top of my head but some obscure gallery art would be perfect for memes that i just haven't haven't touched yet um the so there's this tool i guess if we're talking like it's all about creative creative process uh one tool that's really helpful is google lens so i have the library of of images but i don't know the names like we're talking tons and tons and tons of painting impossible to to actually know the names of these things i know the images in my head and i know where to find them in my phone but i don't know the name and I do like sourcing. Like when I post a, um, when I post a, a meme, I want to put the name of the the artist and the name of the the work and the year. Uh, and then if I know the name of the person that took the sports image, give them credit as well. But there, if you use Google Lens, it'll find that image for you and tell you the name of it and the artist, which is really cool. So that's been a, a pretty big tool for for helping me out. I think it's important to bring up your commitment to increasing the equality in sports. Uh, you've been on the cutting edge of making memes that have some societal impact and that, that really bring to light the critical issues that are facing the sports world and, and also advancing the sports world. Yeah, so the I think the ones that I enjoy the most, like the mashups are fun, right? They're fun. Oh, okay, this looks like this, but 
the ones that I enjoy the most are not taking an actual image, but more taking an actual idea. And the ideas that I like the most are the things that I don't want to say like women in sports deal with, but just stuff that you're constantly seeing, you know, come across Twitter. Of I, I think my favorite one I've done is there's an Alice Neal painting of a, a guy in his underwear. Um, and I like captioned it, you know, oh, I think I could take a set off Serena. I could probably beat her if I'm, you know, playing well. And it's like those sort of themes that, uh, especially in women's sports that you, that are kind of constantly coming up, uh, that I, I definitely enjoy, um, riffing on, uh, racial inequality, uh, especially like the NFL that comes up a bunch sort of the the absurd the stuff that you know as as educated uh people in the sports world you and i look at and think you know this is ridiculous but that still happen on the whole and and making light of that and and sort of bringing it to the forefront is definitely i enjoy that those those memes it's been a little while since i've i've kind of looked at that but some inspiration i feel like that's right up sarah spain's alley Yeah, yeah yeah for sure any thoughts at all on maybe expanding, making this more of a side gig? I honestly, I do this all just right for fun, and I have no interest whatsoever in making money or like shilling fit tea and being an influencer. Uh, sure, at all. Um, but if anybody out there knows how to make merchandise and wants to do it and can have all the profit themselves, by all means, reach out. You can, you can be the. The head of head of business for our Bamakian Sports. <laughs> you could have uh, two two employees, but none that actually get paid. Chief financial officer. So, looking forward, what is your vision for this whole account, this whole experience? Yeah, I don't know. I think I want to make TikToks. I kind of laugh at TikTok of how stupid it is, but on the other end, it's fun to figure out how to grow it. Uh, so, like TikToks were. And again, if anyone's listening and knows how to make TikToks, let me know. Uh, of like dissolving one image into the other because they're exactly the same. Um, and I know things can like that on TikTok. So I might look into that. I don't know. I'll probably like, I don't know. First, I got to like find a girlfriend, get married and have a kid. And then I'm sure that'll take a chunk of my time. But for now, it's, yeah, it's a fun creative outlet. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that that uh, that day is coming. I know a few people that uh, might be listening that are, that are very good at TikTok. I think you're right. That kind of that that bounce in and then come back out with something totally different, like to do the mashup. I think yeah. that's genius. That would work. Yeah, it would work. I just don't know how to. <laughs> I'm, I'm 32 years old. I'm like, I know how to use a Game Boy. I don't know how to use TikTok. Well, I mean, you figured out a lot in your career, so I, I have a lot of faith in you. LJ, this was this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this and for your time and explaining exactly what makes art but make it sports tick and, and your inspiration for all of it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always good to, to chat. Creative License is created, hosted, podcasted, podcasted, obviously. Why don't we try that again? Creative License is created, hosted, produced, and edited by Alex Perlman with inspiration and guidance from Hannah Rosenthal. Graphic design by Carrie Lindgren. Our thanks once again to LJ Rader for lending his insight and experiences this week. Follow Art But Make It Sports on Instagram and on Twitter 
at Art But Sports. And show LJ some love too. He's at LJ underscore Raider on Twitter and Raider LJ on Insta. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.